Welcome to Coming Home with Julian Awad, where we discuss salvation through Jesus Christ, a production of Coming Home Ministries. How many people do you lead to Christ each year? And how many would you like it to be? That was the question that was asked of me yesterday. I thought a bit about it, and, you know, I actually have an answer now. I've always loved the challenge to think big, but with God, it can never be big enough. That's why I've set my goal at just one person per year, with a goal of 8.5 billion people overall. Let's pray, and then I'll explain how. Lord, you say that the beautiful are the feet of those that carry the good news of salvation, and we pray tonight that our feet may be beautiful in your sight. Teach us your ways, Lord. It's an honor to be a part of your plan and for you to work through us. Each of us gets to be a proverbial brick in the foundation of the kingdom through our labor. Help each person tonight to hear the calling that you have for their life and to share the gospel and to hear your voice and not mine, Lord. Hide me behind your cross, Jesus. Amen. So I want to get into my one person per year with this 8.5 huge billion overall goal in a minute. But first, let's discuss the why. Because the why is always, you know, what drives what we do. And it's so important. And my why is that Jesus gave us many commandments. And some have even counted up to 49. I even saw one that had 300 plus commandments. Here's even just a few that he calls us to repent. He calls us to pray. He calls us to love one another and even to pick up our cross and follow him. But we're also called to a great commission. And that's Jesus' final commandment in Matthew. And this is my why. So let's read it together. It's Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's our why. We are called by Jesus himself to go out and make disciples in every nation, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all the things that Jesus did, including this commandment. So just just notice here, it's that we are called specifically to share this faith that we have and this love for Jesus that's in our hearts. And we're also called to make disciples. Most of all, we can see that the Bible says that we are saints and that Jesus is with us and that we overcome Satan in our lives through our testimony and by his blood. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, and they overcame, this is, they're talking about Satan here, they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. It's interesting here because when we talk about our testimony, we're talking and speaking the truth of what Jesus or the truth has done in our life. So when we speak that, we're actually speaking truth. 
And it's really amazing to see the power of what our testimonies can do. So even overcoming Satan in this world and in our life has to do with evangelism and sharing our testimony. I love it. And you know, when the disciples were sent out after Jesus had completed his accomplishment here, it only took a few years. And within a few years, they had turned the world upside down, it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And other people were noticing it. People in other cities were even saying that exact phrase, that these people who have turned the world upside down, and they did it all without the benefit of radio, TV, the printing press, internet, YouTube, <laughs> or even all these things that we have today, including you know all of the, the amazing technology we have through our phones. After all, we have to really consider how they did this and why they did this. If that was their why, and this is really, we're called for it to be our why, we need to think through whether or not that why is in our life. Because a person rarely stops talking about something that they're in love with. You know, when they're in love with something, they'll talk about it all the time. And they love, people love talking about the objects of their, their affection. As a parent, I love talking about my kids. And if you know any other parents, they love talking about their kids, for good and bad, no matter what their kids are doing. But parents love to talk about their kids. Grandparents especially love to talk about their kids. And consider a teenager who has just found a new person they like. Right? I mean, they won't stop talking about that person. They want to talk about what that person said and what that person did or how they dressed. And they're so excited and what that person said to them. They get, oh, so overwhelmed by it. And oftentimes there's people out there that love their cars and they get a brand new car. And they just can't stop talking about how much they enjoy that car and what it has meant for them. It might even be a new phone. Or even more so, and this is most important, a person who has genuinely experienced the love of Jesus Christ, the redemption that comes with him. They express that similar compulsion just to share it with everyone. It's amazing to see what the effect of being born again has on people. You know, it had that, that effect on me as well. And even look how it affected Peter and John. There they were at the temple. And they had just prayed for a, a lame man who was begging uh, for, for alms, for some money. And he had been lame for, he was over 40 years old. He'd been lame all his life. And Peter says to him, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And it created all kinds of, of commotion. And they began to share the gospel after that healing took place and the Lord healed him. And of course, they were arrested and held and the ruling leaders were threatened by them. And they didn't know what to do because the people had considered it a miracle and were so excited to hear about this gospel. But those ruling leaders threatened Peter and John and commanded them to stop talking about Jesus. But they couldn't. In fact, this is what they said. It says, so these ruling leaders, they called them Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. 
for we cannot cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. This is what happened to me when I was redeemed by Jesus. And I was born again. It was, I was at the age of 16 years old. And I remember the exact night it happened. Because the very next day, I went to school and I started telling everyone about Jesus and what he had done for me. I couldn't help myself. I was so in love with Jesus and what he had done for me. The Lord led me to many people throughout the years. And especially those early years, he led me to a lot of people. And I got to share the gospel with so many during those high school days. One of them was a, a good friend of mine. Um, his name is Sven. You know, Sven was part of the heavy metal crowd, um, the heavy metal music crowd. And uh, he loved to wear jean jackets. You know, he was a rebellious kid and thought it was cool to be part of that rebellious cl- uh, crowd. We made friends slowly. And I began to share what Jesus had done for me in my life. And I invited him one time over to my house, I remember, and showed him some of my Christian metal music. <laughs> he thought it was so interesting. And I remember we had a lot of conversations about Jesus. And ultimately, Sven gave his life to Jesus just a few months later. Sven ended up going to Bible college and working in several Christian ministries um, in the U.S. and abroad and leaving um, he leads Bible studies weekly. He's impacted hundreds, if not thousands of people, and now even has a TV ministry focusing on education, educating Christians that is just starting up. Just one person that I was able to share the gospel with, that one person has impacted so many others. You know, it took just one person to lead the evangelist Billy Graham to Christ. It was an evangelist actually named Mordecai Ham. And Billy Graham now has, it's estimated, has had a lifetime audience of 2.2 billion people. And what's interesting is that if you, if you ask his ministry, they, they estimate or, or say that over 3.2 million people have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior through his ministry. They have multiple discipleship programs that they have launched as well. One for, for youth, as well as they have partnered over the years with many, many discipleship programs to help those people that have surrendered their lives to Jesus get into discipleship right away. And they encourage everyone to go back to their churches and to their local churches and get involved right away in a discipleship program. It's just interesting. I want to talk about uh, another person, and this is uh, Philip, who shared the gospel with an Ethiopian eunuch. It was um, really amazing to, to, if you go through this story, to see exactly what had, what, what occurred here. So let's consider this account and the impact of Philip's work with this Ethiopian eunuch. And it starts out, if we were in the book of Acts, um, verse 25 Okay, so verse 25 says, So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So this is kind of where they were. You think about up up north in that northern area. It says, Now the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now this is a desert area. 
So he arose and he went, and behold, a man of Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. You can just hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in that. And so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, of whom does the prophet say this of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at this this scripture, preach Jesus to him. It's wonderful. He shared Jesus, what Jesus had done and his love for his Lord. Verse 36 continues. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. The impact here of what Philip did, he was first, he was obedient to the Lord. I'm sure that he was in prayer and, and it was during that time that, you know, you, you can see the impact of what Philip, Philip's ministry had been doing in Samaria. And now suddenly he's called down to, towards Gaza and he was obedient. And you see, it's this, this angel of the Lord spoke to him, making it very clear that he was to go down there. And who is it for? Just one person. Just one person. And that person ended up impacting so many. It was a person of authority, a person who had the ability to speak into other people that were influential in Ethiopia. You know, today... There are close to 55 million Christians in Ethiopia. That's over 60% of the country today. Over 60% of the country today is Christian. You think for the last 2,000 years, how many believers as a result of that one encounter? And there may have been others, other uh, influences into Ethiopia and other believers that have gone there. But just that one, we can see the impact of what people, when they share the gospel, that it has. And I believe that there's, it's no coincidence that even today, Ethiopia is a majority Christian country. 
You know, there's many examples of how God used just one person to impact so many others, and how there was both a physical and spiritual generational impact. You know, you can consider what Paul, what Paul did, and his impact to the world, to the known world at that time of spreading the gospel and setting up churches. And Paul went around just, you know, even though he went on these missions with others, it was his drive and what the Holy Spirit called him to do, to share the gospel with the Gentile world. I love the story of Hannah. And I love the story of Anna as well. Each one person having an effect on just one other. I love the story of Elijah. I love the story of Moses. So many other rich stories of one person having an impact. And you can see that Paul passes on the wisdom that the Lord gave him in this advice to Timothy. In 2 Timothy, he says something very interesting. He says in chapter 2, verse 2, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's a lot to unpack from that one line. And it's important that we, we understand that there is a spiritual generational impact to what he's talking about. So let me explain. He says, and these things that you have heard from me, that's generation one. And he says, commit these to faithful men. So that's generation three, the faithful men. Because Timothy is generation two, right? So he's talking to Timothy, who's generation two, and he says, commit these to faithful men, which is generation three. And from these faithful men, it says, faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That's generation four. You notice that multiplication that happens there through the spiritual generations? You you, you watch it closely here, that four, the four spiritual generations that are mentioned there. If each one of them is going out and sharing with others as well consistently, that's continuing to grow. And this is the Lord's commandment to go out, to share the gospel, to teach what Jesus said, to preach them, to baptize them. And to make disciples among all the nations. So, how do we do that? In our walk, how do we follow these these commandments and imitate what Paul was telling Timothy to do? Well, first, I want to explain how this all rolls up into my goal for evangelism and sharing the gospel. Because I've often felt overwhelmed. And this is the first thing that each person needs to understand. I've been felt overwhelmed by my desire to share the gospel with as many people as possible. And even feeling sometimes a sense of guilt that maybe I wasn't doing it enough. And I know the Lord wants me to. But I've learned to find peace in God's plan. And to pray for his guidance. Not let it be my own. But to pray for his guidance and his plan. 
and to ask daily for opportunities to share the gospel and to find others. And that that allows me to leave all the work really to him. And all I have to do is be obedient and share the love that I have for Christ in my heart. And secondly, I've learned this concept of spiritual multiplication. It's the idea that through the growth of others, I can impact more of the world than I can by myself. So let me explain. First of all, if it was just on me, I could only reach so many people. And if I work night and day, every day, maybe I could reach thousands or hundreds of thousands or like Billy Graham, even millions each year. But that would just be my own audience. Let me give you the big picture. I'm 47 now, and I hope that God will give me 33 more years to impact this world and to share the gospel and the labor for the kingdom of God. Now, if each year I share the gospel with others and I disciple and mentor just one person who then will share the gospel and disciples others by the end of year two, there will be four believers evangelizing and discipling. Remember, I'm discipling others. First, I'm sharing the gospel with them, then discipling them and teaching them the scriptures and how to evangelize and how to share the good news of Jesus with other people as well. So now, after year two, we'll have four believers evangelizing and discipling. Now, it grows fast here. By year 10, there will be 1,024 of us evangelizing and discipling. By year 20, there will be 1,048,576 of us if we all just find one person and disciple them so that they will evangelize and disciple just one person per year. By year 30, there will be 1,073,741,824. And by year 33, there will be 8.5 billion. It's actually 8,589,934,592. And all I have to do is find one person that I can disciple that will follow Jesus' commandment who will then find one person each year and disciple them. That's it. Just find one person each year to teach them to find one person each year. So getting back to the point, how do we do this? More importantly, how do you do this? Because it's a we, but I want to make sure that I share my heart with you today. So first things first, let's pray. Never forget that God is infinitely more concerned with growth and reproduction than you could ever be. So we must pray. We must pray and ask for his guidance, for his wisdom, his direction, and allow him to bring spiritual transformation not only in us, but to direct us to those that he wants to bring spiritual transformation to as well. You know, you have to remember this is such an amazing concept and honor that he's inviting us to join in a partnership with him to work through us to plant seeds and allowing him to water, to to bring that growth in the harvest some of us may plant the seeds as paul says and some may do some watering 
but it's God that brings that growth, that transformation in people. So ask God on a regular basis what to do, how to do it, and who you should be investing time with. But pray every day and pray for that love, that discernment, that direction, and for the words of the Father that the Holy Spirit will give you his words as you begin to share the gospel. Secondly, read the word of God and read other things, but I want you to dig into the Bible daily. Look for examples of evangelism and for examples of discipleship. And then also read other materials on evangelism and discipleship. You know, that DNA of spiritual multiplication is disciple making. And there are many great books out there that will inspire you and teach you how to do this because it's really, it's a vital one-on-one or maybe a small group discipleship process that you have to learn and you have to learn. The best way to learn is by doing. So read about it, get trained up on it, and then start doing it. I love Ray Comfort's ministry. He's got a lot of books at Living Waters and a lot of videos, a YouTube channel, and you can watch his examples on on evangelism. And he talks, has uh, several books on on even um, discipleship and how to grow in that way. They, they even have a, uh, a school online um, that's very affordable. And um, there's others out there, a lot of other books out there. There's uh, some books that I've heard people say that I have not a, have not a, a looked at myself, but there's the, the Master Plan of Evangelism. Um, there's a variety of others that are out there. Another thing that's really important is to find a Barnabas. You know, Barnabas was really one of the, the first out there in the church that was into disciple making um, that we see an example of. He was really someone who was there to shepherd, mentor, and disciple Paul along the way. If it wasn't for Barnabas, um, I don't believe that Paul would have had the success that he did, first of all, in Jerusalem or in the church of Antioch. You know, Paul built into Timothy's life, but it was for many, many years that, that Barnabas built into Paul's life. We often think of Paul and Timothy, but really the original discipler, the OD, was Barnabas. Um, in my opinion and what, I, what I've read. Barnabas, you know, was a trainer and an advocate and a missionary par- uh, partner for Paul as well. And it was Barnabas who actually went back and fetched Paul to come and train the new believers in Antioch when he had gone back to Tarsus for, for many, many years. And it was there in Antioch that Paul received his calling with Barnabas by the Holy Spirit to be sent out for his first missionary journey. There's no better way to learn how to be a spiritual multiplier than to be on the receiving end of a multiplier's ministry or to be trained up in that in that way. So you need to find a mature man or woman who would be willing and able to mentor you. And you can always start with your church and ask your pastor uh, to help guide you to a mature believer or program that they have in the church. The next thing is to have a plan. What will you do with your disciples? What will you teach them to study? How will you teach them? How will you help them apply it to their lives? You know, you have to start out with a good foundational Bible study so they can learn. And there's a great program actually out there called CBMC Operation Timothy. I love that one. I've been through it many times and I use that to go through with both believers and non-believers as a, a tool for helping to share the Lord with people and make disciples. And the last thing I want to really get into that's a meaty item is to be purposeful with your outreach. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to reinforce this. And that is to ask the Holy Spirit for opportunities to share 
Jesus and the good news with others. Ask for the Holy Spirit to maybe even give you a quota for the day of how many people to share the gospel with. You know, the Salvation Army members used to get up each morning and pray and ask God for a personal quota each day of who they were going to share the gospel with. And they made sure that they would reach that many people each day. You know, ask, you know, especially, this is really important to ask the Holy Spirit to direct you to that person that you'll be able to disciple and pour into. Or persons, if it's more than one. And keep talking about it. Don't don't ever stop this process, and especially talking with your disciples, that this process of discipleship is not meant to be a dead end with them. But it's like in 2 Timothy 2, 2, what Paul was saying to Timothy, to teach other men that they may teach others. You know, God really wants to move through them to help them to grow into maturity. But that model specifically is there because God wants this, this idea of, of this pass-along principle, you know, to be embedded in them. You know, I love that phrase. It says, each one, teach one. And they need to understand that they're called. And this is a process that will not only help others, but it will help them grow in the Lord as well. So remember to continue to talk to your disciples about that. So I want to end tonight with a reminder of the promise that God gave us in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 20. This is an amazing promise. And if you really dig in and consider it, it will, I think, make a, a big change in your life. And it says, verse, actually, I think it's verse 22. It says, a little one shall become a thousand and a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. If you haven't given your life completely to Jesus and become a disciple of Jesus, why wait another moment? You know, he's waiting for you. It would be my honor to share the gospel with you today. First of all, have you surrendered your life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior from sin? Do you want to start serving Jesus today? Because it is written that there is none that are righteous, not even one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's all of us, including me. We all all have to really admit to this idea that we are sinners and we need a Savior. And God is calling all men and women to repentance. That means not only to ask for forgiveness, but to turn around and go the other way from our sins. He says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, he wants you just the way that you are. So turn your back on sin and call out to Jesus to save you and trust in him for salvation. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember, it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So just call out to God today in your heart. If you want to follow the Lord, but don't know what to pray, you can just repeat after me here. God, I know that I am a sinner, and that the wages of sin is death. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, as a payment for my punishment. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and profess my faith for salvation through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for your grace, forgiveness, 
peace, and gift of eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, your next step is to dig into the Word of God. Get a physical Bible and download the Bible app on your phone. Read it every day without excuse. Look for a Bible-focused church to get connected with other believers that will help you grow in the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Just fill my heart with your love Help me share it with my brothers Help me show them you're the one And beside you there's no other been a production of Coming Home Ministries. For more information or to reach us, go to cominghomeministries.net.